This is the KDL Cast Book Talk Podcast. Once a month, librarians from Kent District Library meet to talk about the books they are excited about. Each KDL Cast Book Talk will be posted on the KDL blog at kdl.org slash blog, including a list of the books discussed complete with catalog links. KDL creates interesting and informative podcasts on books, library programs, and our community. For more of our podcasts, please subscribe to our channel by searching iTunes for KDL Cast or go to kdl.org slash kdlcast. All right, welcome to our KDL Cast Book Talk podcast, and this is the 11th one, and we have two librarians on for the first time. We did this last one, too, for the 10th one. I think we had two completely new people on the podcast. So we're going to welcome everyone to this. We do one of these uh, once a month about, or as quickly as we can put them up, and we basically get librarians together to talk about books, and you can find all of this at kdl.org slash kdlcast. And we link to all of the books that we talk about, no matter what our theme and just things that we random bring up. We make sure all of that is on so everyone can find the links um, on our catalog. And if you want to check out the books, you can do that. So we're going to go around real quick and introduce ourselves. I am Kip Odell, uh, Programming Manager for KDL. And I'm Teresa Duffy, Adele Services Librarian at the Byron Township Branch. And I'm Meredith Schickel, also Adult Services Librarian at the Byron Township Branch. Cool. Welcome. So our theme today is going to be about books that we have given five-star reviews on Goodreads. And KDL does some neat stuff on Goodreads, So, and Teresa and Meredith have done those things. So tell us a little bit about that. So uh, each month we post um, the staff picks on Goodreads and um, the upcoming book club books. Uh, if you're not familiar with Goodreads, um, it's a catalog of um, pretty much any book you can think of uh, where you're able to review and give star ratings to the books that you read, keep track of all the books that you read each year, um, create shelves where you can sort your book titles into different types or categories, however you might want to keep track of what you're reading. Yeah, it's kind of like the social media for the reading world because you can um, be friends with your friends in real life or you can be friends with virtual friends and see how they're reading books. And um, I like it just for the fact that you can, if you're reading an article and you notice a book that looks interesting to you, you can tag that book in your Goodreads account for, you know, I want to read this book. They have different categories like currently reading, want to read, and um, you can also tag the books as far as content goes, what the book's about, what the themes are about, where the setting is. It's just a really great tool to use as far as keeping track of what you've been reading, what you've liked to read, and um, obviously books that you've really enjoyed are books that you'd rather not <laughs> pick up again. <laughs> Um, Goodreads, too, has a very cool um, option where you can click on the links and add KDL as a library that you can link to. And then if you find a book in Goodreads that you like, um, you can click on that, and it will bring you right to the library's catalog where you can put it on hold. Or there's an extension, a Chrome extension, that you can add to your Chrome um, browser, 
and um, that'll actually pop those books right up within Goodreads. You can directly link to them um, in KDL's catalog. Cool. I mostly use it for the just keeping track of what I read. Like without Goodreads, I don't think I could keep track of it. Right. right. <laughs> I yeah. know we have patrons that will write them down on little yeah. books or whatever, but I'm not that organized, right. so I can yeah. throw it in the Goodreads book. <laughs> yeah. I love Goodreads. I mean, yeah, um, agreed. and I think the... Um, I like the part, like, being friends with, like, um, so we have um, a person who used to be a youth librarian here at the branch, and you can always count on going to her Goodreads page to see what might be some good picks for youth, because mm. I don't read a lot of youth books, so right, right. that's kind of a good resource you can use when if you um, know someone is really into reading youth level books yeah yeah the only thing i wish is that i i never tag anything or put any and then when i'm looking for something specific if i can't remember the title i'm, mm. I'm busted <laughs> like man i should have been more organized and put together yeah. that it's you know sci-fi or whatever right, and then i can right, find it again right. but uh-huh. but yeah goodreads is super great yeah. so yeah and it can link to your Facebook, too. Right, so right. You have that option. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Anytime you maybe rate or review a book, you can tie it into your Facebook account, and it will automatically post mm-hmm. whenever and you see And if you're that. hooked up through Facebook, it'll automatically make you friends within Goodreads for mm-hmm. those um, friends that you're already friends with on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people have, like, commented on a book I might have rated in Goodreads, and they'd seen on my Facebook post, and they're like... Oh, I just added that to my Goodreads. So it's, I think it's a great resource just for sharing um, those books Yeah. in a non, like, <laughs> you can't talk to everybody, so this is a great way to be able to still share books that you like with other people. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Cool. So for today, we all chose books that we five-starred, right? Yeah. Some yep. of our favorites yep. on there. Yep. So. Um, I chose some that I realized that I've talked about a few on the podcast mm-hmm. already, so I kind of went down the list. My newest one, though, uh, I'll start to talk about today. It's called Sourdough. It's a novel by Robin Sloan. Um, it's kind of a different thing. So I never, I did not read Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore, but that's the same author. Okay. And both of them were really uh, well-reviewed. So this book is about um, a woman named Lois who is from the Detroit area, and she gets her degree, and she starts working. Um, she's into robotics and stuff, and she's working for a car maker. She gets a chance to move to San Francisco and work out there in Silicon Valley, and she thinks it's like her dream job, and so she moves out to San Francisco, and uh, she starts working, and it's the, like the total intense Silicon Valley like that we that we think of where they're they're working you know uh 15 hours a day and they just like run home and sleep and they come right back and they sleep in their offices half the time and they eat terrible food and it's like this real unhealthy environment so Mm -hmm. she's not really enjoying it and then one day she sees like a handwritten uh thing for a takeout menu and she just calls the number and a young man answers the phone and she looks on the list she likes spicy food so she orders like i think it's called the double spicy and they bring their food and it's like the best food she's ever had on this like amazing sourdough bread and so every single day she starts looking forward to leaving work as quickly as she can so that she can go home and have this amazing meal and she gets the same thing every day has the same exact conversation the same music is playing on hold as she waits she waits like the same time on hold every day like it's sort of weird but 
she's just going with it because she loves this food so much. Well, then she, and they deliver to her, so she starts to get to know them a little bit. And then one day, both of the brothers who run this little, um, like, under-the-radar shop that's not like an official restaurant, they just sort of do it on the side out of their apartment or something, Uh Uh, they both show up at her apartment because they are uh, moving overseas, Mm -hmm. and they want to give her their starter that she make that they make the sourdough bread out of okay. and they tell her how to do it and they say you've got to play our music why because you have to like be friendly with the you know you've got to kind of uh, get in tune the right here environment right the sourdough so bread play the music <laughs> and treat the starter this way and then you can make the bread and so she starts doing all of this and starts creating this amazing bread and then the book has a little bit of a fantastical element to it that there is like something special with this mm-hmm. starter and it really does respond to things like music mm-hmm. and what's going on and um, that kind of thing so she ends up then making these loaves she brings some back for her co-workers at uh, the robotics firm that she works at. They love it, so she starts making a lot that they can sell in the cafeteria, and then she gets connected with the, I, I guess, the San Francisco uh, farmer's market scene is a super crazy thing where it's hard to get in to any of them, and you have to audition and bring oh, your wow. food and your like jams or whatever <laughs> that you're trying to sell and right. actually get in. Anyway, she ends up not really making it in the regular farmer's markets, but there's this like weird underground farmer's market in an abandoned airport. Oh, wow. And so she starts creating her bread there by combining some of the robotics uh, from her firm. Okay. So anyway, it gets kind of this like weird, a little right. bit like of a fantasy, but right. it's just like a super awesome story. Mm-hmm. And Robin Sloan, um, there is a Michigan connection. He did actually grow up near Detroit, apparently. Um, hmm. And so it was just a really awesome book. Right. Yeah. yeah. I really liked it. It was all, it was definitely a, a five star for me. My right. wife gave it four uh-huh. We talked about it after she read it. <laughs> she liked it a lot, just not quite as much as I did, but, right, but she right. liked it a lot, too. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like the most incredible plot in the world that mm-hmm. she's making bread, but right. it's just very, very right. good. And mm-hmm. I'd yeah. like to go back and read Mr. Penumbra's 24 Bookstore Five Times. Yeah, that's yeah. been on my two-read list yeah. on Goodreads for, since it came out. I yeah. Think. yeah. <laughs> and a um, little bit of the like real world, but... Thing, a lot of these things, not kind of the fantasy element, but could be mm-hmm. happening, mm-hmm. Um, uh, like at the airport where it's this like weird underground farmers market. Right. Um, they're like creating new weird foods and you know all of these kind of experimental things. It's almost like a Cory Doctorow book, and if mm-hmm. you've read him, it's something like that where it's just like this near future, like mm-hmm. could almost be this way kind of a okay. thing. So, yeah. anyway, it sounds kind of like um, no, I'm kind of. Um, not remembering the author, but um, Sarah Addison. She kind of have, has an bell? element <laughs> to, of fiction, of that magical, magical realism. realism to her books. And I'm just like blanking on the author right now. But um, not too much over the top sci fi fantasy, but just a little bit of those elements mm-hmm. in her writing. Um, like Water for Chocolate is another good food one that has the magical oh, yeah. realism. Sarah Edison Allen? Yes. Is that the right one? Yes, that's what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. She has a feel for that, um, that same type of feel that you're describing in her 
her yeah. books too. Mm-hmm. I think one of them, I think it was Lost Lake, was the one that kind of, if I'm remembering right. But I can always check Goodreads, cool. right? Yep, <laughs> we can search Goodreads and, and find them out. So, all right, cool. So that was my first one, Sourdough by Robin Sloan. Meredith, do you want to go? Sure. So um, my first pick is also food-related. Um, it's called Garlic and Sapphires, and it's by Ruth Reichel. Um, Ruth Reichel was the um, food critic for New York Times um, from 99. Um, no, I'm sorry, 1993 through 1999. Um, and while she, she was working in L.A. for the L.A. Times and um, was hired for the New York Times and on her way, on her flight to New York, moving there, the woman sitting next to her knew her and everything about her, and she was very confused by this. So she um, asked this woman how on earth she would know her, and she said, oh, your picture is up at every restaurant in New York. Um, we are all just waiting for you to come in. And, in fact, most of the restaurants are offering cash bonuses to whichever staff member picks her out first and tells the other employees that she's there. So she realizes that if she wants to get a real experience at any of these restaurants, she has to go in disguise. And so she comes up with these different personas, um, goes to these different restaurants, um, and sees if her experiences are true to the restaurants. Um, And she goes um, sometimes as like a wealthy dressed person, uh, sometimes as poor, sometimes as an older woman, sometimes as a younger woman. Uh, Sometimes she dresses very frumpily and other times very glamorously. And um, she gets a really interesting experience as to how these people are treated differently at these restaurants also. And then at a couple of restaurants, she actually goes back then as herself and then has a second um, review for how she is treated as Ruth Reichel, a food critic. Um, So, yeah. I think um, I think I've read uh, one on one of her other books. Is delicious, maybe that oh, was delicious, pretty yeah. recent. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and that was fiction, right? Right. Yeah. That was fiction. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. I really, and I think it was based on a recommendation that you gave me. In fact, you just said you really enjoyed this author. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. this is yeah. actually the only one I've read by her, but mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah, I e- I equally liked uh-huh. Delicious. I didn't give it five stars, but <laughs> <laughs> it was very a, ple- a very pleasant read. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and this book too has. Um, some of her actual reviews and um, then some recipes also that she's that are tried and true. So um, it's just a very interesting glimpse into the world of professional food in New York. That's interesting. So she was already kind of a famous reviewer. She was, but nothing like this in okay. in L.A. Yeah, um, she was. Uh, I mean, they anyone could find her picture. But uh, she was not in L.A. She had nothing like this um, experience um, where she was like they were trying to find her and figure out. And they if they heard that she was going to a restaurant, they would inform that restaurant to be on their toes. But, yeah, apparently New York Times is very important for their food reviews, whether a 
restaurant will make it or break. Did she get treated really like like super well or super horrible? As herself, she was yeah. she was treated wonderfully. Okay, because um, they want a good when review. When she was an old woman, they kind of put her in the corner. Yeah, and yeah, it was, huh. uh, it was it's very interesting just to see all the social aspects of um, restaurant life. Kind of like kitchen confidential. Yeah, is that, yeah. Is that um, a book or a TV series? I'm kind of. I think that's a. Uh, TV series, yeah, where sure. it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> not ringing a bell. <laughs> no, but I'm trying to. There was a movie, and I the, the the title is a play on the word on a word for like heat or whatever, and I can't think of what it is. And it's about them. It's, it, it's fictional, comedy? but yeah, yeah they're I trying think, super hard to be. A yeah, I know what you're talking about. Five star thing and right. they're like crazy it's it's about a, a a chef who flames out i think it's based on a couple of real chefs so oh, okay. a chef who flames out and no one's even seen her for a couple of years and then he comes back to i think new york city mm-hmm. to try to Is do that bradley cooper yes bradley okay. cooper i don't remember what that movie we'll, we'll have to look up yeah. the title and put <laughs> it, was, it on the thing burnt? yeah burnt. Yeah. there we go yeah. look i do had a heat <laughs> thing right. somehow yeah. but i i wasn't yeah. certain yeah that makes sense so um yeah that was mm-hmm. I, I like that movie i did too i lot. enjoyed that mm-hmm. yeah and there was another recent movie that kind of was um, had that foodie feel. Um, it was a food truck movie. Uh, um, I really like that one too. <laughs> it, it has the guy from. Um, it has the uh, the bodyguard from all the Iron Man movies yeah. is the main character in it. Yeah, yeah. He's happy. That was, in that was an enjoyable foodie movie too for me. Anyway, yeah, him and his son mm-hmm. and like buddies create this. He's another chef that flames out because of social media. Is that just called I chef? I think there is a yeah. okay, and yeah. then they they end up right. in a food truck right. making like sandwiches and stuff mm-hmm. and just traveling right. all over the place yeah. with this. Yeah, I it, enjoyed that. It's a really good, good movie too. Yeah, yeah, and I saw that um, Sweet Better is um, mm. a book that came out a couple couple years ago, and that's. Um, told from the perspective of a woman who's recently moved to New York and is um, a waitress at a prestigious restaurant and all the strange experiences that come with that. Um, And I think they're turning that into a movie. I think I saw that that's coming out in the near future. Cool. Yes, that's the right one. That's it. Yeah, with the food truck all over the place. I think that now that I think about it, I've read quite a few books and watch movies with that food theme and mm. they're always enjoyable for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Probably because I'm not much of a cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not either. I can either. live vicariously through the movies mm-hmm. and books. Yeah. I read, there's a yeah. couple that I, I like a lot. There's one I think just called Sous Chef. Mm-hmm. It's like 24 hours in the life. So it's a guy who's who's worked for a couple of real famous ones and he just takes like all of the experiences mm-hmm. and says, all right, this would be like my typical 24 hour day. So it's one that almost reads like fiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. He yeah. just kind of mm-hmm. puts his, right. and it's uh, you know, not a job I want to do. It's like so intense, <laughs> right. just like yeah. all day long. And right. These like long, hard mm-hmm. days and all of mm-hmm. that. But it's pretty interesting to see, you know, at, at a real fancy restaurant that's trying to just be, you know, amazing and right. You know, yeah. Yeah. You can't make a mistake. And <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. So I feel like I should have been following up with another foodie based <laughs> read, but mine's going to take a totally different turn. And it is called a piece of the world by Christina Baker Klein, 
who um, is pretty well known for um, another book she wrote, which was called Orphan Train, um, which I enjoyed, um, but not as much as this um, piece of the world. And I, I was drawn to this book because it um, it's based on um, a picture by the famous artist, artist Andrew Wyeth, and um, the picture is called Christina's World, and the character in that picture is called Christina Olson. So um, Christina Baker Klein takes this beautiful work of art and creates a story behind the painting. Um, it's based in Maine, which I have, <laughs> I have a love of Maine. Um, so that was a connection for me, and as far as the um, artist as well, Andrew Wyeth. Those were both pretty personal connections for me that drew me to this book. Um, the way that Christina Baker Klein creates this story behind the painting is just so beautiful. The imagery that she uses, um, the writing style that she uses, it's just, you are just immediately drawn into this um, story and you just want to know more about this woman who is featured in this painting. The book cover is actually um, a picture of the painting, so immediately you can kind of get a visual for what um, the story is going to be about. So Andrew Wyeth, for anybody who's not familiar with him, um, spent some summers in Maine, and he did a lot of his painting in this house that Christina Olson's family grew up in. He um, just kind of spent time in an upper floor in this house and did his work there, painting these pictures and um, interacted with the family a little bit. Christina and her brother lived in this home, but um, didn't. he just kind of went out about his business while they went about their business. And um, they, you know, obviously became friends, but they just did their own thing um, throughout the day. Um, Christina Olson <coughs> suffered from a degenerative, degenerative disease that they now think is Chereau Marie Tooth, which is a lot of people thought it might be similar to um, polio as far as the mm. symptoms and what someone might experience, but she um, suffered from this degenerative disease, but didn't want it to really um, affect the way that she lived her life. She was stubborn. She wanted to continue to live her life and not be held back by the physical um, limitations that she was facing because of this disease. So Andrew Wyeth really um, painted a beautiful picture, and Christina Baker Klein really brought this picture to life in this book. Um, I think that maybe I can give you a better feel for the writing of this book and what the story might be like if I um, read from the prologue of the book. It just kind of sets a tone for the story and for the writing style and gives you a beautiful introduction to what you um, will read as you get involved in the story. Later, he told me he'd been afraid to show me the painting. 
He thought I wouldn't like the way he portrayed me, dragging myself across the field, fingers clutching dirt, my legs twisted behind. The arid moonscape of wheatgrass and timothy, the dilapidated house in the distance looming up like a secret that wouldn't stay hidden. Faraway windows, opaque and unreadable, ruts in the spiky grass made by an invisible vehicle leading nowhere. Dishwater sky. People think the painting is a portrait, but it isn't, not really. He wasn't even in the field. He conjured it from a room in the house, an entirely different angle. He removed rocks and trees and outbuildings. The scale of the barn is wrong, and I am not that frail young thing, but a middle-aged spinster. It's not my body, really, and maybe not even my head. He did get one thing right, sometimes a sanctuary, sometimes a prison. That house on the hill has always been my home. I've spent my life yearning toward it, wanting to escape it, paralyzed by its hold on me. There are many ways to be crippled. I've learned over the years many forms of paralysis. My ancestors fled to Maine from Salem, but like anyone who tries to run away from the past, they brought it with them. Something inexonerable seeds itself in the place of your origin. You can never escape the bonds of family history, no matter how far you travel, and the skeleton of a house can carry in its bones the marrow of all that came before. Who are you, Christina Olson? he asked me once. Nobody had ever asked me that. I had to think about it for a while. If you really want to know me, I said, we'll have to start with the witches, and then the drowned boys, the shells from distant lands, a whole room full of them, the Swedish sailor marooned in ice. I'll need to tell you about the false smiles of the Harvard man and the hand-wringing of those brilliant Boston doctors, the dory in the haymow and the wheelchair in the sea. And eventually, though neither of us knew it yet, we'd end up here in this place, within and without the world of the painting. So that just gives a nice introduction to what um, will unfold in the story. And it's just a really beautifully written book. And um, uh, that's why I gave it five stars, obviously. Mm -hmm. So like Orphan Train, it's very history-based, mm -hmm. right? I mean, she must have done a ton of research right, to right, know yeah. about the Same here. character. Same and, here. Yeah. Yeah. And the author's notes at the back of the book are just as fascinating in this, as the story. That gives a great overview of what she actually, um, how she prepared for writing the book. And cool. Yeah. I love it, it when authors do mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. to give you some of their, what their research was based on right. or who they had helped them, you know, with different parts right. or like yeah. that's, mm -hmm. yeah, that's always, mm -hmm. sometimes as fascinating as the book. Yeah, so. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. How an author gets a concept for a story and brings that to life. Mm-hmm. And my old roommate put that up, that painting up in our house, oh. well, print obviously. Yeah. And um, I didn't know for months and months and months the story of mm -hmm. christina christina right right um and once i mean i just thought it was it just changed the painting completely finding that out when i saw that movie or excuse me that book was coming out mm -hmm. i immediately signed up byron's book club oh. to do it um yeah. in a i don't remember what month now mm -hmm. but i'm really looking forward to reading it okay yeah i think you'll enjoy it it was a great read for me so um 
And then it got me thinking to maybe other books that are based on works of art. And um, I, like, they're all very popular books, but I've not read any, any of them. Um, Girl with a Pearl er- Earring. Oh, yeah, I read that, I read that one. one. Yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lady and the Unicorn, those are both by... Tracy, is it Chevalier? I think Something so. Like that. <laughs> that's what I go with. Yeah, that's, that's my go-to, too. <laughs> um, the Goldfinch by Donna Tartt. Oh, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, I have not read that one. I think um, I have five stars for that one, too. But. Right. Oh. I like her. I haven't read that oh, one yet. Yeah. I really need to. And um, Belcanto. Ca- Bel oh, that's excellent, by Ian too. Patchett. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like. Opera. Opera. Opera mm-hmm. piece, okay. So it seemed like it was almost a, well, when Girl with a Pearl Earring came out, it seemed like there were a bunch all at once. Mm-hmm. But then it's, or at least I haven't heard of any for a while right. besides right. like this one. And, right. And Goldfinch mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so completely off topic, I just started re, uh, listening to, I just finished listening to a podcast called Rabbits. Oh. It's a um, very different feel. But um, as part of the, mystery of it um she sees a picture of that painting and realizes that one of the that there's three windows in the real painting and only two in the one that she's looking at and so that opens a world of mystery up Mm -hmm. well it's four four maybe i got it wrong yeah yeah i think it just um i'm not a big like Person, art person. I don't um, visit art museums that often, or but it gave me a different um, look into um, how to maybe look at a piece of art, like to really spend some time with a picture mm-hmm. and to really start to imagine what that painting is about and what the artist was thinking when he was working on um, that painting, and just. It was interesting for me mm-hmm. to maybe think of paintings in a different way. Uh, my wife and I went and saw the Maurice Sendak. Mm-hmm. This was a year, year and a half oh, ago. Oh, yeah. and right. They did an exhibit at the Grand Rapids Art Museum. Right. Some of the like stories they put near, like, like they had a lot of his sketches okay. and that type of thing, mm-hmm. like, and stuff from his books, of course. Yeah. Anyway, they had some, like, of his stories there, and you kind of, like, can connect with, like, his experiences as a kid and how they came out in his oh, yeah. art. Like, he had, yeah, large, like, ants that would be like, oh, I want to eat you, and, like, <laughs> like, like the bakers crazy and the, hugs uh, and all that, which, right, you're like, oh, that's like the bakers, or almost like the monsters, uh-huh. like, that when he was young was yeah. almost, like, borderline, like, scary people, <laughs> like, even though they're his relatives, like, uh-huh. and stuff like that. It was really interesting to right. see some of those connections yeah. come out. And, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So my next one, I did not read when it came out, so it's been out for quite a while now, but Garth Stein's The Art of Racing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. Have you guys read that? Yeah, Teresa? that was, that yeah. was one of my five stars and good Cool. Me <laughs> yep. too. Yep. yep. The hook is basically that it's told from the perspective of a dog. Um, so there's a dog, and his name is Enzo, and he's called Enzo because his um, owner, whose name is Denny, is a race car driver and really involved in cars and stuff, and um, so he's named after Enzo Ferrari, who mm-hmm. created Ferraris. <laughs> Uh, so this is often the perspective of Enzo, who is this like you know smarter than a dog should be, and he yeah. uh, really learns and really um, just takes in his world and just kind of has like a little bit of a heightened understanding of what's happening around him, even though he's kind of stuck in this dog 
body, and he always complains about not having thumbs <laughs> and being able to do more things. But he loves riding in the race car with Denny. Um, and then he's with Denny as Denny gets married and then has a daughter. But then, unfortunately, things get kind of dark after that. So, yep, his, his wife gets cancer, and his career is kind of up and down and has lots of troubles. Um, there's some more, like, family issues and things. So uh, it's actually a book that I don't want to book talk it too long because you can spoil it super fast. It's a really interesting book told, again, from the perspective of the dog, which sounds like it might be a little hokey, and it's not at all. Like it's It's a very literary leaning, I think. I don't know if I'd call it literary fiction, but it's like leaning that way that it's just really smartly written. Um, You're just seeing things from kind of a, a, a different perspective. And yeah. it's wildly sad. <laughs> That's the other thing I remember it about. Is like it's wildly it's a tearjerker. Um, not enough that um, I didn't enjoy the book. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always kind of a a hopeful. Right. Sadness. Yeah. I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. For anyone sort of who's ever wondering what their dog's thinking when you're you know acting super silly or, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed just that. Um, feel between under the dog and the dog owner and how the dog maybe thinks, oh my gosh, what is this person, you know, <laughs> right. acting or why is this person acting this way or, yeah, it was fun to yeah. read. Yeah, it's a really good, mm-hmm. it's a really good book and uh, kind of an interesting character study for the humans in, in the book. So right. the especially mm-hmm. Denny, the husband going through all of this kind of rough stuff. But always having, you know, his dog there and everything is pretty great. So, yeah, yeah it's really well written. Mm-hmm. Um, I read just one other thing from Garstein. I think that he um, he wrote a couple of things I, I don't think that became very popular at all. So after Art of, Race, Ra- Art of Racing in the Rain came out, they re-released a couple of his older ones. I'm trying to look up the one that I read. Oh, I read How Evan Broke His Head and Other Secrets. Um, which I thought it was a new book because it was on our new shelf oh, at the right. library, but it was right. a re-release right. thing that mm-hmm. he had written before, and that was really good, totally different, not even okay. the same at all, just kind of a Seattle area, like almost like a family drama thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, again, about a, a, a male lead character. So, Yeah, I think I, re- I um, tried to read A Sudden Light. That was another one that he um, had yeah. written, and I just didn't... Not as um, into it. Enjoy it. No. Yeah. As much as I did Art of Racing the Rain. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't tried that one yet. Yeah. I I thought they were trying to make a movie out of that, but maybe I'm wrong. I think I heard that. Right. Yeah, I've heard that a couple of times, so I don't know if that's one of those that mm-hmm. it just doesn't quite get yeah. being made Keeps or what. Because it can take a, a super long time yeah. sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. It had a Marley and Me feel. Like if you liked Marley and Me. Yeah. The Art of Racing the Rain, I think. Yeah. Had that same kind of I think you would like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the author that does those. Uh, this is not my typical thing, but my wife talked to me into reading one, and it was actually good. Um, it, the, he's a mystery writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mystery, all right, the... He's like the main character is a is a man who is a, he's kind of a private investigator, yeah. but he's like down he's on quirky. his luck. <laughs> he's quirky, right. but his dog's Spencer name Quinn. Yeah, Spencer, Spencer Quinn. Quinn. Mm-hmm. Spencer Quinn. That's more like that's similar a little bit, but the tone is totally different. It's just a like lot, really I, funny mm-hmm. and really like yeah, mm-hmm. and and then like a kind of a adventure mystery. Right. 
yeah. element of it and the dog who i think his name is chat i don't remember why, why I, I remember chat remember. but is totally like yeah chat yeah he thinks they're the coolest like it was a guy they have a, a convertible and he's always sticking <laughs> he just thinks like everything is awesome and he doesn't like you know when he brings around shady characters he'll you know do obnoxious things to them he'll bark at them and yeah try to get his uh <laughs> leash bernie. tangled I up in their leg or is bernie. bernie the dog and chet's no, or the other way yeah chet's the dog <laughs> bernie's the guy yeah those are very funny yeah by spencer quinn right and the dog kind of like also a dog's perspective like it's he, like he's telling the um, story sometimes can like keep his master from getting you know get him out of yeah. certain situations that might not be beneficial to him yeah but yeah it's written in a very very funny way so right i agree all right. Well, my second option, uh, second pick, is The Secret Keeper by Kate Morton. Um, and the book begins when Laurel is 16 years old, and she is um, at a family party and um, decided to get away from all the noise and stuff. So she goes up to a tree house that she has, and while she's there, she sees a man walk up to the house. Her mom answers the door. They have a brief argument, and her mother kills the man. So then it jumps 50 years from that day, and um, she is now a successful actress living in London, um, and her mother, Dorothy, is dying. Um, And she can't stop wondering what... uh, Laurel can't stop wondering what really happened that day. And so she decides to investigate see what she can find out about what really what really it was that her her mother did the official story was that this stranger just walked up to the house threatened her mom and her mom had to kill him in self-defense but laurel knows that's not really what she saw and the story goes back and forth between um world war ii and today um and we find out more about Dorothy um, and her friends Vivian and Jimmy and um, what actually led to that fateful day when um, Laurel's mother kills her, kills the man. Uh, Kate Morton is one of my favorite authors. I've enjoyed all of the books that I've read of hers. Um, She's very gothic and mysterious. Uh, She's been criticized for being a little too formulaic in her plots, but I I love them. I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, you are are always recommending (laughs) Kate Morton to everybody. I recommend her to everyone. And nobody, and again, last week, someone just came to me and said, thank you so much. I love it. And I've taken that from you, and I always recommend Kate Morton yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always get good feedback whenever I recommend mm-hmm. Kate Morton. And I've um, listened to several of the books, and mm-hmm. um, uh, Kate Morton is Australian, and um, her first popular book was The Forgotten Garden, and that takes place in Australia and in England. And the reader for that book was amazing because she just would jump from one accent to the other seamlessly. Wow. It's great. Yeah. I've never read Kate Morton. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should. Well, you but should you make, give it a try. <laughs> you make it sound really good. Yeah, yeah I, I read The Forgotten Garden, and I enjoyed that one, mm-hmm. too. Good. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. That kind of – did it kind of have like that – not really mystical, but just the whole... Yeah, I think it's sort of the gothic feel of it. Mm. So it's, 
Uh, my, um, I had a professor in college explain gothic novels as like Scooby-Doo. So you think throughout the whole thing that it's this mysterious like ghost or whatever, but then it ends up just being a um, person in a mask. And it's, it's not, even though mm-hmm. you're, you suspect there's some otherworldly things happening, in the end it's not. But, um, yeah. And this one less than The Forgotten Garden. Um, mm-hmm. right. But, another excellent five-star review for yeah, me. Dis- you're always recommending the distant hours, too, right? That one, I, I, that one didn't stand out as much. The Forgotten Garden might be my favorite, but mm-hmm. Secret Keeper was also very good, and um, I remembered this plot a little bit better <laughs> than The Forgotten Garden. Right. So it's yeah. been a while since I read yeah. that one. Seems like any time you, like, recommend a good World War II mm-hmm. novel, you know, you have those lists of good World War II mm-hmm, novels mm-hmm. that you just recommend over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's just um, people enjoy that. They're always asking for good mm-hmm. World War II reads. It's true. Yeah, and this yeah. one is a little bit more, um, as it's it's not a major plot point, I think, really mm-hmm. could happen in many different eras, okay. this plot, mm-hmm. um, less so than, obviously, um, some other books. But Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, my next five-star read is actually a cookbook. <laughs> and I know it sounds kind of strange because I referred to myself earlier as not much of a cook, but this is a cookbook that's not um, intimidating. It's, a co- it's called the Southern Living Community Cookbook, and um, its tagline is Celebrating Food and Fellowship in the American South. And what this cookbook actually is, it's a collection of recipes from popular, um, those type of cookbooks that maybe like a junior league would put out mm-hmm. or um, a foundation or a church, those cookbooks that have kind of those um, plastic yeah. spiral <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bindings and um, that are just you know full chock full of great recipes from um, great cooks and you can always be certain that the um, <laughs> recipes that you find inside are sure to be pleasing to um, you or whoever you're cooking for um, The thing that I liked about this cookbook was it not only gave the recipe, it also told the story behind the recipe. It combined um, good things to eat with good stories, timeless stories to tell. For instance, it gave a couple recipes of chickens for chicken salads. One of them comes from a grocer in um, Shreveport. Louisiana? Louisiana, yeah. And another one is from a cookbook, The Collection of Mountain Book Baptist Church, Recipes in a Collection of Mountain Brook Baptist Church. It's called Blue and White Chicken Salad. So it's um, the little story behind it is clever and persistent cookbook committees could often woo coveted recipes from local cafes and restaurants. Birmingham's Blue and White Cafe closed years ago, but its chicken salad still receives rave reviews whenever it's served. The specific brands of mayonnaise and mustard are essential to the unique flavor. 
When great cooks share secrets about signature recipes, we should heed the advice. So these are really like manageable recipes. You're not going to spend a fortune trying to find the ingredients, and you're not going to spend two days in the kitchen prepping and cooking. They're just fun, down-home, comfort food-type recipes with, you know, fun stories behind them. Cool. That looks interesting. Yeah. I actually, like, um, gave this book to my son and daughter-in-law for a wedding present Mm, because I was just really um, enjoyed it. And uh, there's a lot of categories, you know, typical appetizers, salads, um, sweet treats, beverages and libations. Uh, So lots of good recipes and lots of good stories to go along with them. I like the story aspect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like connecting to the the recipe. I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. And just, um, you know, some of them are actually like personal recipes, I think, that were collected um, obviously not as part of a compilation cookbook Um, like mom's signature pot roast that was just maybe one of the editors of this cookbook had you know someone had passed down this Mm. pot roast recipe to her so she and they included it in the book and have you made recipes from it? I have. Yeah, I've made a couple of recipes. I've the pot roast one, that was a really good one. It's um every time I need to like have a go-to recipe, I know I can count on this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And I don't have a lot of cookbooks, um but this is one that I do have and enjoy in my cook- collection. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. So one more. Uh, we're going to each go around and do one more five-star from Goodreads. So this one I read a while ago. It's a couple years old. It's called The Precious One, and it's by uh, Marisa De Los Santos. And this is kind of a family drama. So the main character is, uh, well, Eustasia is her name, but everyone calls her Taisy. Taisy has a twin brother, and their father is kind of this um, weird, crazy character named Wilson. And Wilson left his family, decided to totally start over when um, they were young teenagers, and didn't talk to them after that, basically. Hardly said anything. So this is like 17 years later. She suddenly gets a call from her father, Wilson, and um, he wants to see her. And he's uh, fairly sick and has like a quest for her. Well, he um, totally moved, uh, has a new wife, has a new daughter, has the whole thing. He's sort of this crazy, like, class classicalist type guy his daughter who is the namesake of the book the precious one her name is willow and she's um like 13 i think and she's not been allowed to listen to popular music or books or tv or anything she's only reading like classical literature and classical art and um has been homeschooled and has just been totally kept from all of these things um so tazy doesn't really want to go back and see her father again because of how horribly things went. And the just one or two times they saw each other in the 17 years also went really horribly. But she decides to do it. Um, so she goes there, and his request is, because he's this brilliant man and also thinks he's a brilliant man, that he wants her to write his biography. 
And at first she's turned off by it and doesn't want to, but then she thinks, well, and he's going to pay for her to do it and all of this stuff. She thinks, well, you know, I can do it, but I'm going to do it the way I want to do it because his past was always a little shadowy and he wouldn't ever say anything about himself that wasn't like perfect. So she decides that she's going to go ahead and do it. So she lives, starts living there for a little while and then she's interviewing all of these people from his past in order to kind of find out sort of what makes Wilson tick. In the meantime, Willow, the precious one, is actually going, starting to go to a real high school. She finally lays down the law with her parents and gets them to let her do it. So she's then going through all of these things and experiencing them that they never have before. And so the book actually goes back and forth. Uh, it's from the perspective of Taisy and then switches to uh, Willow the teenager back and forth telling the story about this family that's kind of reconnecting and it's just a real like family drama character development kind of a book uh, and it's um it's very interesting and and really good so and i've read nothing else by randy de los santos even though she's read like written a ton of stuff yeah. i read belong to me by her oh you did yeah what'd you yeah. think is that good yeah I enjoyed yeah. that one. I didn't give it five stars, no. but <laughs> I enjoyed the story and um, her writing style. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. a really good writer. Um, and she, like in this book, she dealt with a lot of heavy things without it being too heavy. Right. Um, right. Just a real, yeah. like, deft touch yeah. at I writing all these characters. She's a real character driven author. Yeah. Like, Belong to Me was totally. Was that way too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's technically right. not a ton to this plot. It's right. just people reconnecting and then mm-hmm. it's just their, mm-hmm. you know, personalities yeah. and yeah, yeah char- character driven like you said. I think that she's one of those authors that's written across like she's written adult, but I believe that she's written teen stuff, too, some yeah. teen young adult stuff too. I didn't realize this till I was looking back up the book mm-hmm. today to remember some of the pot points but um she started as a poet actually oh, which okay. kind of makes her writing now make a little more uh, sense to me right, <laughs> like right. her writing style yeah. but apparently yeah she put out a couple of poetry collections and then mm-hmm. started some of her books mm-hmm. but and i've only read the precious one but yeah. um yeah i really really liked it right. i recommend it yeah i think it's interesting how adult authors are starting to like write for different um like starting to write some junior fiction and starting to mm-hmm. write some teen fiction. I think that's interesting how yeah, it's quite it a seems bit. it's a little bit more popular lately than yeah. it has been in the past. With Patterson and Grisham mm-hmm. and yeah, some right. really big names too. Yeah, I think the stigma's gone right. or mostly gone because right. for, for a while I know authors would say, kids authors would sometimes say they'd get a little bit of like, oh, you just write kids' books right. kinds, right. kinds of a thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, Patterson and Grisham and right. Jodie Picoult did that teen book. Right. and with her daughter. With her daughter, yeah. There's yeah. there's a bunch now that yeah. have done different age levels. Yeah, there was, an, there was one recently that I was surprised um, to see. Um, and, of course, I can't think of it, but um, Jen- Jennifer Weiner. Oh, yeah. Weiner, I think. Oh, I didn't know she. Mm-hmm. She wrote a junior, a junior fiction oh, title, yeah? like in the last year, I think. Huh. So, and she typically writes um, adult kind of chiclet. Yeah. <laughs> like more thoughtful chiclet. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting to see that. It is. Yeah. Yep. If I pronounced her name right. No. <laughs> think so. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> 
All right, so my final pick um, was The Trespasser by Tana French. It's book six in the Dublin Murder Squad, but this is a series that um, you really don't need to read them in order, um, and each one really could be enjoyed as a stand-alone. Stand um, so the plot of the book, a woman is discovered murdered in her apartment, and it seems to be a cut-and-dried case of um, the boyfriend did it. So the Detective Conway um, knows that there's something else going on. And she recognizes the victim, but she can't remember how she knows her. Um, she's the only one who believes that anything else might be going on, um, except for her uh, partner, who is in a couple of the other uh, Dublin Murder Squad books. And he um, is trying to help her also determine who the actual murderer is. Uh, the other detectives are kind of tormenting her and trying to get her to wrap it up, uh, but she just can't give it up. Um, if you are a reader who likes your mysteries tied up really, really neatly, these this series is maybe not for you. Um, there's some ambiguity and nuance um, to the mysteries that I think makes them better. But um, I know other people really like their mysteries neat and tidy. So. so it reminded me of a book I haven't read, which is The Woman in Cabin 10. Oh, I, I did read that did one. Did you read that? Mm-hmm. I've heard that's very good. It, it's, it's, I didn't like it as much. No? I think I gave much. that maybe a three star. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I read one called Before the Fall by Noah Hawley. Oh, I read oh. that one. Yeah. yeah, did you like it? I liked that one. I think yeah. I five starred it, but uh, I, I think I've already talked about the podcast before, so that's why I wasn't too. talking about it today. But um, mm-hmm. four, uh, easily four star. But I think I did right. five stars yeah. because, um, and that's a little bit different of a one for me mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But uh, a plane goes down, and um, an artist and a, a younger boy are the only survivors, mm-hmm. and you have no idea what happens until way at the end. Right. It's a twisty, like, yeah. story from everyone's different perspective. Who I actually right. checked that out yesterday. Oh. So, so. Really? <laughs> I think you'll like it okay. based on yeah, what you like. The story's told. I really thought it was good. The passengers who didn't make. Yeah. <laughs> the kind of the story revolves around the passengers who didn't survive. Mm. Yep. The plane crash. Yeah. And maybe how they might have um, figured into if any of them had anything to do with the plane actually going down. So it's mostly told in flashbacks, mm-hmm. and then right. a little bit of a story, right. you know, because he becomes the the survivors become kind of um, a media sensation because it's a sensational right. story. But mm-hmm. most of the story is just told flashbacks, and you're just putting these little pieces together as you go. Yeah. And there's all sorts of things that. Could lead to one thing, but don't, mm-hmm. and could lead to something else, but don't. It's one of yeah. those. It was really good. Right. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So my third pick, I feel like I'm like got an artsy feel to my picks today. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, my um, third pick is called Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. And this was actually, um, KDL picked this in 2016 for... Um, our Community Reads program, which was a um, system-wide library community reads program where we um, had everybody reading the same book at the same time and created a lot of 
programming events to go along with the book and then brought in the author at the end of the event of the um, month long event to kind of um, wrap things up and celebrate the community reads program so I was actually um, introduced to Jacqueline Woodson when I took a children's lit class and I read a book by her called Feathers. And she also, just like Christina Baker Klein, has a very beautiful writing style and just uses a lot of imagery and you can just see in your mind, um, create this beautiful picture in your mind of what she is um, actually writing on her pages. The beautiful thing about this book, Brown Girl Dreaming, is that it's written in um, free verse, so poetry free verse. And it's, um, I listened to it in audio, I obviously read the book, and both ways are just a great way to listen to the story. Um, it's a book to savor, it's genuine, it's it's nonfiction. It's a story about Jacqueline's life, um, kind of a memoir feel to it, as she's growing up in the '60s and '70s. Um, did you guys have a chance to read this book? I'm sure you did, Kip. Right? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did it with the Byron Book Club too. Mm-hmm. That was a right. good, a good one yeah. to talk about. Um, yeah, I was at Sand Lake at the time, and okay. so I did it with that book club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was interesting. I'd be curious what your book club. We talked a lot about the poetry aspect of mm-hmm. it and how that was seemed to be a really great way for her to share her stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the beautiful thing for me was how she was able to, in so few words, just share her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, personally, like I'm more simple in my personality, so I think that seeing how you can simply tell a story without a lot of extraneous um, (laughs) plot lines or words, it just, she just really, in every word that she wrote, there was meaning behind every word and how those words fit Mm. together to tell her story. Yeah. And I'm not much of a poetry reader either but um just like her brother the situation with her brother Mm -hmm. and his illness and then um i think was it her father or her uncle i don't remember now um someone went to prison and then you just really are drawn in and you actually care about these people so Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. and i was kind of surprised it drew me in as much as it did i was too i was surprised by that too how I just was immediately drawn into the story and just, um, I, the, the chapters are just, each chapter is kind of a poem of its own. Um, I feel like I might be reading too much in my <laughs> book talks today, mm-hmm. but I just want to give you a feel for just how beautiful the writing is and how, in just so few words, she's just able to tell um, the story. This chapter is called Each Winter. Each winter, just as the first of the snow begins to fall, my mother goes home to South Carolina. Sometimes my father goes with her, but mostly he doesn't. So she gets on the bus alone, the the first year with one, the second year with two, and finally with three children, Hope and Dell hugging each leg and me in her arms, 
Always there is a fight before she leaves. Ohio is where my father wants to be, but to my mother, Ohio will never be home. No matter how many plants she brings indoors each winter, singing softly to them, the lilt of her words a breath of warm air moving over each leaf. In return, they hold on to their color even as the snow begins to fall. Reminder of the deep green south, a promise of life somewhere. So that's just one chapter. Then leads into the next chapter she titles Journey. So this is as she's making the bus trip with her children to South Carolina. You can keep your south, my father says. The way they treated us down there, I got your mama out as quick as I could, brought her right up here to Ohio. Told her there's never going to be a Woodson that sits in the back of the bus, never going to be a Woodson that has to yes sir and no sir white people, never going to be a Woodson made to look down on the ground. All you kids are stronger than that, my father says. All you Woodson kids deserve to be a good, as good as you already are. Yes, sirree, Bob, my father says. You can keep your South Carolina. So that is just kind of an example of how um, each chapter is just short little, I guess you could say, vignettes about yeah. her life and um, written in that free verse poetry style. And it's a good um, one of those books that I think any age would be happy to read it. I, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I think we have it in J, right? Like for it's kids, J, but yeah. teens and adults like it mm-hmm. just as well as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys said that in your book clubs. Yeah. Both. Yep. Yeah. It was really well received. Yeah, yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they liked it. So we end each of our book podcast by talking about just anything that we're really excited about or geeking out about is what we call it. So we're going to each talk about um, one of those things. So uh, I finished the TV series The Leftovers. It's totally weird and totally great. Um, uh, they did three seasons, so all of the DVDs are now at the library, so you can actually check them out. It's based on a book, Tom Parada. Uh, wrote the leftovers, um, and the plot is that two percent of the population suddenly disappears. So some people think it's you know an alien thing, or it could be a biblical rapture type of a thing. But no one actually knows, and they don't try to tell you. It's just the story of everybody left over, everybody here who lost people, didn't lose people, that kind of thing. Um, the main character is um, a sheriff in kind of a, a smallish town, I think, in New York State. And um, uh, he's uh, dealing with the city just kind of imploding. And then um, it goes through all of the different ways people react to everybody leaving, some in terrible ways. Um, There are some people that group together and don't want anyone to forget that this ever happened. So they dress all in white and they smoke and they won't talk and they're creepy and they'll just like stand outside people's houses who lost people. And, um, they're just all of this going on and the, the show is quite adult. So that's one thing to mention. The first season follows the book and then it goes off on its own for the next couple of seasons. But Tom Prada actually writes on the show. So it's still kind of his vision. Um, and then it does um, wrap up pretty well. <laughs> I mean, it's a totally bonkers story. So you never know how it's going to end. Uh, I thought the ending was super cool. So, so it's done. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. it was just so you three seasons. Three seasons, and you could know that you could binge and like crank right through it. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're not long series, um, but they're really they're really fairly deep. Um, uh, a lot of it is um, there's of course like some religious characters because everyone has their um, own thing, old reasons why they think that everybody left. And then you have some people who are fakes and say that they can, you know, speak to the people who just left. And there's this kind of thing happening in society. And uh, Kevin is the sheriff of the town, and he just kind of goes through. He's like the character that just goes through all of this um, hor- horrible stuff to him and his family. Um, his wife leaves to be—I forget what they're called—the the creepy group that dresses mm-hmm. in white and creeps everybody out. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just kind of goes through horrible things. He's sort of the martyr of the show, where everything kind of runs through him um, all through the three seasons, and then um, him trying to then c- kind of save everyone. He, he's the like the Superman Christ figure, right. basically, okay. in the show. So um, it's very he writes, bizarre. He writes some Christian inspirational christian fiction right prada no i think that's um a different it's a similar name though you're right oh you're thinking of i know what you're talking about (laughs) no prada writes just little children i think is yeah yeah uh yeah which is a good book um he wrote nine inches he writes most of his stuff is general fiction and i don't this is fletcher oh i just read that one i think that's her i him sorry okay i haven't read that one um this is not like any of his other stuff, I don't think. I mean, I've only read a couple of his things. Okay. Um, he's a good writer. Mm-hmm. The first season stays pretty faithful to True it. True Yeah. But then he, you know, I was watching to see whether he was part of the credits the whole, oh. he, you know, he's one of the mm-hmm. producers and mm-hmm. uh, writers throughout the, the whole three seasons. So yeah. it's really good. It's, yeah. it's weird. I mean, there's parts that are almost art house right. film weird, but... Um, if you kind of stick with it, it's really good and interesting and a and a, a little deeper. It reminds me of. Did you have either one of you ever watched the Book of Eli, the movie? Oh yeah, the Book of Eli. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so that movie, which I liked, just, I loved that movie. Yeah, yeah, and it has a feel. I mean, that seems like the leftovers yeah. would have that. Same so this is a bit like that. Um, mm-hmm. That's more like dystopian. This is more dystopian, like, yeah, yeah the, mm-hmm. like the world continues on mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it is, but like the feel and, right. you know, in, in you, this is a, another good, like, you really don't have any idea what's going on. Yeah. You're just learning the a little pieces around. The book of Eli is just like it, you know, yeah. the whole movie unfolds and then you're totally, the end is totally like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that, but it's mm-hmm. a good movie. I liked mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that show is all done, but you can get all of the seasons from the library or whatever. So I know we have I watched uh, it. people who come into the library waiting for the next season for shows, and we're like, it's not on DVD mm-hmm. yet, and they get very yeah. frustrated because they're left hanging. We're like, so this one you can get the complete season on DVD and not have to deal with that frustration. It is sort of nice when you're done, uh, when it's all done, so you can just watch it all the way through. So I feel that way the books a little bit too, but I usually can't wait to read a series. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. It'd be nice to wait to read a series when it's done and then you can yes. plow through it. Right. However, mm-hmm. um, 
I usually, if I like the author, I'm not going to wait for them to write all three books. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't wait. But right. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm geeking out about um, VR. So, uh, Byron Branch has uh, virtual reality um, machines. We had a first day uh, this past Saturday of um, we're calling it Experience VR at KDL, and we're encouraging primarily teens, grades 6 through 12, to come in, and um, they can use our VR machines for 15 minutes, um, depending on how busy we are, probably longer. Um, And then uh, you can experience, uh, we have Oculus Rift as our um, software that we're using and the machines that we're using, and it is just so cool. Um, in fact, we, after experiencing it that last weekend, we went out and bought ourselves our own at home. Oh, so, cool. um, yeah, we've downloaded some escape rooms just for fun. And, uh, yeah, it's just so cool. This is my first experience with VR, um, but I loved it. Uh, we are having, um, just to put in a little plug, we're doing it again. January 13th from 1 till 3, and then again February 17th from 1 till 3. And adults might be able to um, participate too, depending on how busy we are, but um, that, that should be a lot of fun. It was fun. I was working Saturday, so oh, I yeah. came Teresa in for a little bit and too. got an introduction. Tried it. <laughs> yeah. I'd never been exposed to it, and um, so Meredith just put me through the little introduction that kind of showed the different... Mm virtual reality worlds mm-hmm. that you could um, explore and dinosaur scared you a lot. Yeah, the dinosaur, <laughs> like the dinosaur like was right in my face and like um, <laughs> as it was like in my face, it was you could feel like it was spitting at you <laughs> yeah. and I didn't appreciate that. I didn't mind the heights <laughs> the heights one. Oh, I don't like the heights. Yeah, the heights one I didn't mind at all. I would much rather like deal with heights than a dinosaur <laughs> in my face. <laughs> so. I I've never done that before, so Oh yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Cuz make me want to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll stop it. It was really um a lot of fun. I would like to have some time to explore it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Are there a lot of games and stuff you can Yeah, and get? a lot of them are free, so that was oh, cool. really cool. Um, yeah, and KDL, we have a climbing game, so okay. you just mountain climbing, mm-hmm. and um, there's a moonwalk, uh, or a spacewalk, rather. Um, and then there's a horror one that is actually pretty scary that you're mm. like sitting in a bed and then you're, it's dark and the lights are flickering and there's a creature in the room with you and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I won't do that one, but <laughs> so once you have the equipment and the software, you can just download all yep, these mm-hmm. free games. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. All right. So I'm, um, geeking out about a TV series too. The Crown. Um, Season one just came out on DVD, and Netflix just this past week released season two. So for anyone who's not familiar with The Crown, it's um, the story of Queen Elizabeth. Um, It begins, season one begins when Queen Queen Elizabeth is just marrying Prince Philip and um, subsequently learns of the death of her Father, so then is um, forced with the reality that she now has inherited 
the crown. She now has to take over as Queen of England. Um, the fascinating thing for me with this series is that many of the characters portrayed in the series are still alive. Obviously, Queen Elizabeth's still alive, Prince Philip's still alive. Um, and it's a fascinating look into um, when, you know, when they first began, when, this, when they first began with this monarchy. And um, it's really well written. The sets, the costumes are very well done. It's not, um, I wouldn't say, like, some series can have high drama. It's, it's a good level of drama, a good level of drama for me. Not over the top, mm-hmm. just kind of a steady feel for the <laughs> drama level, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, they're saying that they're going to do six seasons, so um, you have that to look forward mm-hmm. to. I know that I was just reading online, and the um, people that can portray the characters in seasons one and two are, this is the only seasons that they're going to do, then they'll move on to new characters as they age. Mm. So, Did you see, I think it's called A Royal Night Out? I did not see A Royal oh. Night Out. Mm-mm. It's funny. So yeah. it's, uh, I'm assuming it's the same so it's uh, end of World War II, well, victory in Europe day, and they. Uh, this is partly based in real life. Uh, Elizabeth and her sister were allowed to leave the palace and go into London hmm. and party with everyone. <laughs> but I think the real life story is not that, like they had guards around them the whole mm-hmm. time and that type mm-hmm. of thing. But in the the film, they like romp all over the city and have fun, and then, mm-hmm. and it's funny and pretty oh, good yeah yeah and the, well in the crown you can see the wild side of princess margaret like she's yeah um <laughs> that's how they portrayed her and <laughs> yeah she's a wild um, one and i doubt. think it's um interesting to see how um queen elizabeth has to like try and keep her in line mm. and there you can see some of that sibling rivalry playing out um as far as here's my sister, but now she's the queen and I have to respect her in all of the um, ways that you're supposed to respect royalty as far as like bowing to the queen. All right. um, It was also very fascinating. Um, So her mother, Queen Elizabeth's mother, when um, her dad died, her mother was no longer queen. So now she had to treat her daughter, who is now the queen, with all of that, right. you know, bowing and kissing, and it's just very interesting to see how that all plays out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's super well reviewed, right? It's like yeah. critically acclaimed, big time, right? Yeah. I tried to start watching Victoria. Um, I think it was a masterpiece mm-hmm. um, on PBS, and I didn't enjoy that as well as I enjoyed The Crown. In fact, I. Um, <laughs> watched a couple episodes and mm-hmm. gave up. I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and I didn't. Uh-huh. I just don't like that actress. So <laughs> <laughs> that season of Doctor Who, a couple seasons, was kind okay. of not fun to watch, and that's mm-hmm. why I couldn't really 
Okay. Try Victoria either. Mm, but the crown. The mm-hmm. crown. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm super excited. I started like rewatching season one and I'm waiting till I have some downtime downtime over the holidays to like binge watch season two. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that does it. Thank you so much. A couple of reminders. You can subscribe to us by searching for Kent District Library or KDL Cast in iTunes or SoundCloud or generally wherever you listen to your podcast on. Um, and we will be putting up one of these a month. And uh, look for all of the links. You can find any of the things we talked about, uh, except for virtual reality. You have to come in person. But everything else <laughs> you can find on the catalog, and uh, you can put things on hold for yourself. So thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the KDL Cast Book Talk Podcast. Remember that you can find a list of all the books discussed in this KDL Cast, including links to the catalog, on the KDL blog at kdl.org slash blog. Look for more episodes each month from KDL. To learn more about Kent District Library's programs and services, please visit www.kdl.org.